Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. From Decrypt.co, this is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, is Bitcoin really decentralized? Binance rolls out Bitcoin debit card across Europe, and in our main story, David Kaninsky, CEO of Kraken Financial, talks about Kraken's big moves in the U.S. Coming up on the Decrypt Daily. Yo, what's up, everybody? This is Matthew, and today is Wednesday, September 16th, 2020, and I'm going to get straight into the prices. I'm recording this at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Bitcoin is making moves. Shot up past 11000 at $11,016. Up 2% from yesterday. Ethereum, 368.68. Absolutely the same as yesterday. Litecoin, 4873, down 1% from yesterday. Chainlink is like that balloon from a birthday party that's over in the corner, just getting smaller and smaller. Down 5.6% from yesterday, sitting at $10.88. And XRP, down a half a percent from yesterday at 24.5 cents. Total market cap for all of cryptocurrency is $350.8 billion. Bitcoin's dominance is up to 58.1%. In our main story today, we're going to talk about the heat. Exchanges are bringing the heat to the United States, and they are trying to situate themselves to make market share, to get into the digital asset space, the digital space, web 2.3.5.0, .5 whatever you want to call it. Companies are trying to make sure that they don't miss the boat and kraken exchange made some headway today and kraken exchange made some moves today to make sure that they are properly and firmly in the united states and mr david kaninsky ceo of kraken financial comes on to talk to me about it hey matthew how are you doing kraken big news coming out of kraken today wyoming the united states and please catch us up what just happened today yeah, no, it is a big day for us over here. Um, today, we uh, received unanimous uh, voted approval from the Wyoming State Banking Board to receive a, uh, a bank charter uh, for something that's called a Special Purpose Depository Institution, or SPDI, which is a uh, special type of bank that, uh, that we're pursuing to operate our digital asset business out of. And what, is, what does that mean? An SP, I'm sorry, go ahead. What was it again? Yeah, Special Purpose Depository Institution, or SPDI. Some people call it SPDI. Um, but happy to explain what that is. Um, it is a, a real bank, but it's a very specific type of bank. It does not conduct any sort of fractional reserve banking activities or associated lending. So it is full reserve. Um, all assets that folks deposit are held there and we're not lending it out on the back end or have any sort of insolvency risk there. It is built from the ground up with digital assets in mind. Um, and in our view, it is the most complete regime to operate a digital asset and associated banking activities out of in the United States. Um, it has a dedicated supervisory program for digital assets and the folks in Wyoming have spent a ton of time getting up to speed and getting super smart on how banking rules and regulations would work with digital assets. And so we're, we're super excited to become a bank, but a very specific type of bank. So what does that mean for the average consumer in America now in, in mm -hmm. relation to Kraken Exchange? Yeah, so it means a couple things. Um, you know, one, uh, it means that Kraken will have a better and more certain regulatory position in the United States. Uh, regulatory has been a problem for a lot of folks in the United States who have to either uh, 
conduct or approach a, you know, a 50 state patchwork type approach, getting licenses in every single state, or they need to pursue uh, a banking license that isn't really uh, flexible enough or appropriately tailored to operate in the digital asset industry. So this gives us a great regulatory positioning to operate our business uh, in a more streamlined way across the United States um, in every jurisdiction eventually. Um, number two, it means that we will be able to offer uh, traditional banking and funding and payment mechanisms uh, onto our exchange and other services in a more seamless and streamlined way and integrate that banking service into digital asset products and services. And third, and like where customers will eventually see the most impact, we can offer new products and services that we wouldn't otherwise be able to offer uh, as a non-bank. Things like a debit card backed by a crypto, things like qualified custody for institutions, things like wealth management uh, for digital assets, and then ultimately handling other asset classes like securities, commodities, and derivatives. So a lot coming down the pike in the next couple of years. So I, I'm usually kind of focused on the average consumer, the mom and pop, the, the you know, the normal person yep. that has a nine to, nine to five. And, you know, in America, there's a lot of different offerings when it comes to exchanges, Coinbase, Coinbase Pro, Binance.us, you know, uh, Bittrex, Gemini. What differentiates you guys from the uh, from all those other exchanges and platforms in the U.S.? Yeah, so I think a couple things uh, have always differentiated Kraken. I think Kraken has established itself as probably the being regarded as the most secure uh, of those platforms in the U.S. And I think it stems from being having a relentless focus on customer interests, um, even making unpopular decisions such as uh, Kraken's uh, previous decision to withdraw from New York under. Uh, regulation that we thought would harm the customers. Um, I think that uh, you're right to point out that there's kind of a, a bifurcation of users of digital assets in the U.S. and some uh, challenge to get adoption uh, among other non-crypto users. Kraken's mission has always been to promote the adoption of digital assets to enable better financial freedom. And this is a great tool to do that because now we have a uh, we have a platform that has always served, you know, very digital asset savvy uh, investors and traders. Uh, and now we have a banking channel that we can speak to traditional, more kind of mainstream users and have it be look like a traditional mobi mobile banking and checking experience that's connected to the digital asset exchange on the back end. So we can have two channels to speak to those different audiences. Paint me a picture. Give me a vision really quick of what would the normal person, that nine to fiver, what would it look like using Kraken in America now that you know you're getting more um, situated here? Yeah. Well, once we're fully up and running and have everything going, uh, you know, we expect that we'll be able to offer a very traditional looking, you know, online and mobile banking product. What we see in the industry is all of these forces kind of combining and being bundled into one between digital assets, fintech companies, and traditional financial services, everybody is kind of bundling all these services together into some sort of combined platform. We're going to be able to play in that same on that same landscape and offer uh, what looks like, uh, for those that want it, a very traditional or vanilla 
mobile banking uh, and checking platform and service. And then, hey, do you want to conduct investments into uh, securities, digital assets? Hey, would you like to uh, optionally use digital assets for payments or other uses? And they can add those services on on a piecemeal or a la carte basis so that we can address the needs of different customer sets in a way that is more familiar to them, I think is a massive advantage of us pursuing this. I hate to keep beating this this horse right here, but um, when you say traditional, I still would like to know what does that mean? Traditional meaning you, you have checkbooks? You have a card? <laughs> yeah, maybe not or, that traditional. Yeah, yeah what, what, what is traditional? Can you define that? That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I'm talking about a traditional, like more digital mobile focused experience. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that we're going to be running out building up brick and mortar bank, bank branches or, you know, have a big focus on paper cash or uh, checkbooks, right? No, that's not uh, exactly what I meant by uh, traditional. I guess I mean more just traditional online and mobile banking. So, hey, you have your electronic and wire deposit account named and numbered, and you can connect that to your payroll and receive paychecks directly into your account and then seamlessly invest that as you see fit and have that all connected in a digital space. So that's that's what I was referencing. When you have, If you have a Bank of America or other account now and you have the mobile app and the online checking abilities and you connect that to receive your paycheck in and then you use your debit card uh, at the store or wherever else, those are the types of services that I'm referring to. And then being able to connect that to being able to also use digital assets or invest in digital assets in a, in a separate service. What is the play for the market in the United States? Look, you have these other companies that are here. Everybody's going to take a little bit of like make or taker fees, transactions, you know, be the traditional, like you just said, uh, banking experience. But what is the market play for America? Is it to capture that market share to, or is it to divide it to because there is enough market share? Like what is everybody trying to do and crack and especially trying to do within the US. Yeah, no, it's I think I think we're as I mentioned, I think we're at an interesting time and I think what you're what you're getting at here is that there is a lot of uh folks entering the space and folks expanding from within the space so that there are competitive forces from the digital asset industry like the established incumbents like crack in there, uh, folks in the fintech space like Square, uh, and then folks in the financial services space like Fidelity, who are all kind of entering this market. Now, what that exact like winning solution looks like, I think is still TBD. But I think what we believe is that digital assets are here, they're going to grow, and there's um, there's going to be a massive market, and there's going to be obviously room for many, many different services to offer digital asset-enabled uh, uh, products uh, to their customers, and that market is just getting started. So I think there's room for everybody to kind of add them on. What we want to do is not be one of these services that just kind of adds on crypto as like a customer acquisition strategy, like, hey, it's hot. Let's get like some press around it and like connect into a third party service um, in a very kind of, I would say, half half put together way or duct tape way. That's not what we want to do. We are building, we think that digital assets are only going to grow. And so we're building things from a digital asset centric or native approach and coming at it from this way rather than coming at it from traditional financial services and just bolting it on. I think the word you're looking for there was half-assed, sir. Yeah, half-assed. Well, I, I did want to I did want to make it PG for your listeners, but you're right. I was struggling there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Thank you. I appreciate that. And they probably appreciate that too. I'm going to have to put a warning on this now. Yeah. Um, when you say Wyoming, the first name I always comes to my mind is Caitlin Long. Was she involved with this somehow? Yeah, Caitlin's great. So Caitlin and, and, the, and the Kraken team um, have been working together to promote uh, the idea of this sort of regular 
regulation and this type of institution, the Speedy Bank, over the better part of a year or two. So she's, yeah, she's absolutely been instrumental in helping craft this type of regulation and regime. And obviously, um, we're pretty cooperative on some of the uh, the macro level industry in- innovation that we're doing here. David, I really appreciate you coming on the show and congratulations to Kraken and your good news. Thanks so much, Matthew. Uh, appreciate it and have enjoyed the time. And in other news, Pickle Finance wants to bring stability to DeFi. Pickle Finance, another project that I have no clue about because for some reason, food coins and food projects in the DeFi space is a thing. It's a thing. Pickle Finance, a project incentivizing liquidity on four largest DeFi stablecoins saw $53 million in 24-hour volume this weekend as its native governance token, Pickle, I kid you guys not, seriously, Pickle, traded as high as $85. I don't really have much to say about this, but be careful, everybody. Crypto space is wild. It is wild. But I guess the news in this one is not just the price. It's that there's a DeFi project called Pickle. Pickle, everybody. That's news to me. Binance rolls out its Bitcoin debit cards across Europe. Binance said its Visa cards are now available throughout the European economic area. Cards are issued by Swipe and run on Visa's payment network. But to get the cash back on offer, users have to hold a mighty amount of BNB. What is a mighty amount, you might ask? Well, to get the full 7% cash back, you have to be holding or hodling a full $160,000 of BNB at current rates. If you want to get 2%, you need $270, which isn't bad. 2% is good. $270 isn't much. But 7% to have $160,000, that is going to be a real niche audience. And finally, is Bitcoin really decentralized? Researchers are cautiously optimistic. Coinmetrics analyze wealth distribution, the distribution of hash power, and the market share of exchanges of the Bitcoin blockchain. Bitcoin has ultra-rich users, but its supply has become more evenly distributed and its hash power been dispersed between several major players. Just a few exchanges dominate the market among them, Coinbase, Hobby, Binance, OKX, but the market isn't monopolistic according to Coinmetrics. But hey, let's not talk about exchanges, let's talk about the hash rate. Is the hash rate distributed and is it decentralized? And quote from the article written by Robert Stevens, which I really recommend you reading because it's a damn good read. It says, quote, even a rational, well-sourced mining pool could have difficulty coordinating a 51% attack since miners could leave the pool if operators decided to attack the network. Long story short, yes, Bitcoin is pretty well decentralized. Long story long is that if you really, really, really wanted to and really, really, really everybody could team up together, then yeah, you could 51% attack but it's very, very, very unlikely. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. I want everybody to do me a favor, keep listening, but also detach a little bit from social media, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Just delete it off your phone for at least a week. I'm doing a little detox myself and it feels good. I'll see you tomorrow. Happy Halloween.